Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 186. We're continuing our study on how to read and understand the Bible and being committed to study the Bible. This week, I have shared with you a couple of insights in how we do that. What are the mechanics for doing that? And I want to give you a boatload today to just try to help you to understand in summary fashion what some of you can go on online later and take classes on hermeneutics and how to read and understand the Bible and learn a lot more. And I'll tell you more about that later because those are going to be coming out, God willing, in late spring or early summer. And you'll be able to go online and take classes, then use those classes to turn around and teach others with materials that you can download off of my website. And so I want to just start out by saying how grateful to God I am that you're listening to podcast and say again, thank you so much for those of you who have supported us in praying for us on a regular basis. So many of you have said that you pray for these podcasts, that they would go out and God would use them for his glory and for his honor. And that's our greatest desire is that people would listen to these and speak highly of Jesus. That's what it means to give honor and glory to Jesus to the great Father in heaven that has called us unto himself. But I want to give you, just by way of review, some of the things that some of you have heard in the past and just help you to summarize these. If you're going to understand the Bible, you have to, first of all, understand that God reveals his truth to those who are willing to obey it. God's never going to show you truth so you can argue with him about it. God is never going to show you truth that you don't intend to obey. You see, God knows your heart. And if you have an intention to obey and you disobey, that's one thing when you fall short. But if you have no desire, you just want to know something so you can beat someone else over the head, you can forget it. This is why Paul spoke to the church at Corinth in his first letter to them when he said in chapter 2 that God has shown his children the great mysteries that I spoke about last week, the great mysteries of the faith. We can know the mind of Christ because he's revealed it to us in his word. Now, that doesn't mean that we are Jesus. It doesn't mean that we know what all that he knows, but we know his plan, his heart, because he's revealed it to us in the scriptures objectively. This is not some subjective, God told me this, God told me that. God's not going to tell you anything that will ever contradict his word. Anything that God tells you, you can find backup for in the scriptures, or perhaps you need to question if God really told you that. But it says that, in 1 Corinthians, Paul is on a, a long series of talking to the Corinthians about their carnality and their lack of spirituality. And he says in verse 14 of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, But the natural man, that is the unsaved man, 
does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. And what that means is simply what it says, that a lost man cannot comprehend the great truths of God's Word. He can understand the structure of the Bible. He can understand how it's put together. He can understand the literary elements and concepts of the Scripture. But he will never know the truths of God's Word unless he is willing to obey them. And then God will reveal those to him because the Spirit of God inspired the Word of God, and he's the only one that can make it real to us. And that comes as God shows us light, and we walk in the light that God has. It says, but he, this is verse 15, he who is spiritual judges or discerns things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has the mind of Christ, who has the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ, and that we have through the Scriptures. Not something that we discerned or figured out, but God's Spirit lives in us, and he teaches us the scriptures. And so in order to mine out and dig out as a treasure hunt, the Word of God, there's some things that we need to understand. First of all, in just summary fashion, how does God speak to us in the Bible? God speaks to us by precept. That's line item. Do this, don't do that. It's very plain. Not what you think it means or not what it means to you. That doesn't matter what you think it means or I think it means. It doesn't matter what it means to me. Well, I just think this is, or to me this says, it doesn't matter what it says to you. What matters is what does it say. In other words, when the writers spoke it, when God spoke it, when Jesus spoke it, when Paul spoke it, what did it mean? Whatever it meant then, that's still what it means because God's Word is forever settled in the heaven. I just cannot stress this strongly enough because we're in this subjective, mamby-pamby generation that wants it to mean something because we say it. And I hear people say, and they go, well, you know, this just means to me it does not matter what it means to you. It matters what God meant for it to mean, and he said exactly what he meant to say. And so what we've got to find out is what the context is that he spoke it in, what was the culture to which he spoke it, and so forth. And so God speaks to us in precept, a line item. God speaks to us in principle, that is, two or more precepts put together in order to form a teaching or a doctrine or a motive for us to live or an assignment for us to do. And then God speaks to us through patterns. Sometimes the Bible doesn't speak to us in precept or principle, but because this was the way that they did something in the New Testament, the Old Testament, or this is the way men of God and women of God have down through the centuries followed God, then we know that that's the pattern that's been given. Because the things that were written aforetime, that is the things in the Old Testament, especially in relationship to his people Israel, which is most of the Bible. Paul said in Romans 15, 4, that those things were written for our learning, for our instruction, for our admonition. And so we need to learn from those. Those are usually patterns that God gives us. So God speaks to us in his word. This is not in general, but in his word by precept, principle, and pattern. And so that's the first thing you need to know. Secondly, only God's people, only those who have the Spirit of God living in their lives, those who have submitted to the Lordship of Christ, those who really have given their heart and life to 
Christ and committed their life to Him, have entered into a covenant relationship with Him, just like saying, I do at a wedding, you enter into a marriage relationship with Jesus. Only those will He show the great truths of His Word. Now, that's what the Bible teaches consistently and confluently from Genesis to Revelation. And so we have to understand the mechanics of it, the background, all of those things. And so I have over and over again said to you, the Bible is a Jewish book. It was written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews. Now, I've had people say, you really stress that. Well, the reason is it's true. And we need to stress truth. The Bible was written by Jews. And I've had people say, well, you know, they weren't really Jews. Yes, they were really Jews. They were sons of Abraham. And God said, these are my people. And to them were committed the covenants, the oracles of God, the words of God. So the Bible is a Jewish book. It's written by Jews, to Jews, primarily for Jews. And we are the strangers, those who are not Jews. We are are grafted into the great covenants and promises of God by our choice to follow Jesus. Not because we're born into a Christian family, not because we are born into a family of faith. No, that's for the literal, natural, organic seed of Abraham, not to those of us who are spiritual descendants of Abraham. So the Bible is a Jewish book, and the Bible is filled with assumption. And if you're going to understand it, you need to understand what the assumptions were historically, geographically, linguistically, and culturally in their context. And so this is why I say every Bible writer from Moses to John understood and believed and trusted that the people to whom they were writing understood the language understood the geography, understood the historical setting, and they understood the cultural context of the day. And that leads me to say the Bible is filled with assumptions, assumptions that we have to learn because we're Western in thought, Greek in our mindset, and because of that, we have to learn the Judeo background, the Hebraic roots of Scripture. And I know when I say Hebraic roots, why the antennas go up, because there are a lot of extremists that say that they are getting us back to our Judaic roots, but what they're trying to do is make us Jews, and that's no different than the Judaizers of Paul's day. That's not what I'm talking about. And so the Bible is not complete in detail. It is filled with assumption. And I gave you two passages for that out of the Gospel of John. That makes it very clear that even John just picked out some of the miracles and some of the sayings, some of the discourses that Jesus spoke and did simply because he did so many, no one could write them down. That's what John says in the last two chapters, the last two verses of those chapters of his gospel. And so it is not complete in details. It is not a movie script. It doesn't say at every point that Jesus did something that he raised his hand or he batted his eye or he raised an eyebrow. It doesn't tell us that. It doesn't say interstage right, interstage left. But there's so much in the Bible that we know would have had to have happened. There again, the assumptions. For instance, most people, when they take communion, they have no idea that communion arose out of a Passover meal and that when Jesus talked about the cups and the one that he took after supper, he was following Haggadah. He was following 
following an order of service, a ritual that had been in practice for hundreds of years, and he was following that. Well, if you're going to understand communion and the Lord's table, and you're going to find the great, rich nuances and color of that communion experience, you need to understand what was happening at the Passover. There again, the Bible doesn't give us all the details of the Passover. Why? Because he assumed Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Paul, they assumed that we all knew that. Why? Because the Bible's a Jewish book. It's written by Jews to Jews, primarily for Jews. And that God had a plan through it all. So we have to understand the great story of God from Genesis to Revelation. So you say, well, now, wait just a minute. Does that mean I have to read the whole Bible and study the whole Bible? Exactly. After all, it's the most important book that's ever been written about the greatest person that's ever lived. It's the greatest story that's ever been told. And so if you really want excitement in your life, learn the great story of God, the scarlet thread that starts in the book of Genesis and goes all the way through the book of Revelation. I call it the Crimson River because it is like a river of blood that runs all the way through the Bible, the river of sacrificial love, the love and the mercy, and at the same time, the justice and the wrath of Almighty God. And so it's very, very important. But today, let me speak to you about two things very quickly, and then I'll close this particular segment for today. I want to stress two things to you today that are very important as far as mechanics if you're going to understand the Scripture. You take all that I've said to you out of the five principles I give for understanding the Bible, the five guidelines, there are two that are very important, and that is context and clarity. Always interpret a text within context. Now, the word context is a compound Latin word, which means con with the text. And so with every text, it's not standing alone. It has uh, verses before. It has verses after. It has a historical context, a geographical context. It has, it fits into the great story of God. And you need to know those things. You say, well, how do I know that? Well, you can read about it because people have written about it for the last 2,000 years. And you can find out about it. You can read the Bible and learn the context. Now, you can study that. You need to know to whom a book was written. When was it written? Why was it written? Who wrote it? Those kinds of things are very important to understanding the book. Many times we'll delve into a verse or a chapter, but we don't know the context. This coming Sunday, I'm going to begin preaching a series through the book of John. And the first two weeks, all I'm going to do is introduce the entire book. Yes, the entire book. I'll preach through the entire outline and give it out to the people so they can see how it begins and how it ends. And then they'll understand all this in between because John has one purpose in writing. And that is that we may understand that Jesus is the Son of God. He is deity. He is divinity. He is God walking, God talking. He is God healing. He is God casting out demons. He is God, the God man rising from the dead after his substitutionary death for all of us. And I'm going to explain that and how John proves that and unfolds that. And so it's very important that we understand the book as a whole before we start getting into the verses. That's called context. And then clarity. 
There's always verses that seem to be misty and dull, and we cannot see into them, and and they seem to be foggy, and we wrestle and wrestle with them. Well, just remember this always, always, always interpret an unclear passage with a clear one. What's an unclear passage? It's a passage that can be interpreted syntactically, grammatically, linguistically in more than one way. In other words, you could say it says this, and it does say that in the Greek or in the Hebrew. Uh, You could say that the passage says this, and it does say that grammatically. It says that linguistically. It could mean this. And so that is one that could be interpreted more than one way. And so what do you do? You look for a passage that deals with the same subject somewhere else. That is a clear statement, and there always is one. Or God will speak to us in precept, principle, and pattern to help us to understand how to interpret that. So clarity is a big deal. God does not want to hide his word from those who are his followers. After all, the entire Bible is called the revelation of God, the pulling back of the veil and he wants us to know him. And so he has written out how to know him, how to walk with him, how to please him, how to treat others, how to find our purpose in life. You see, God puts you on this earth for a purpose. He did it with purpose. He has created you for some reason, for some purpose. And when you know God, you can find God's purpose for your life. I often told my children, the most exciting thing in all of life is to know God, know God's will for your life, and then get in on it and do it. Because you see, God will show you his will if he knows that you're willing to do it. And if you're wanting to know God's will so you negotiate, you will never do it. If you want to know God's will so you can argue about it, you'll never find out what it is. No, whatever it is that God has chosen for you, remember this. God always gives the best to those who leave the choice to him. And that's not just in a mate. That's not just in areas of life that have to do with material things. No, God gives his best in his will to those who will leave the choice to him to direct our paths and to give us light and to find his purpose for our life because whatever it is that God has called you to do, that's best for you. It may not be best for anyone else, but it's best for you. I hope this helps. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.